0: The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Good evening, good morning, welcome everyone. It's Beyond Reality Radio. I'm J.V. Johnson. Welcome to the program. Why, why would I turn the microphone on all, all of a sudden there's a... I don't know if it's a fruit fly or it's something floating in my eye. I don't know, but welcome to the show. Um, we have a very, very... Uh, interesting show for you tonight, uh, in many, many ways, in fact. Um, and I'm going to get into some of those ways. Uh, but we're going to be talking about 9-11, the attacks of 9-11. There are a lot of people who believe and present a lot of evidence, some of it compelling, that uh, the 9-11 attacks, particularly the uh, destruction of the World Trade Center buildings, uh, the two towers plus seven World Trade Center, Um were actually demolitions, not as a result of planes crashing into those two towers. Um, we all remember, if we were alive 18 years ago, what we were doing when we heard about those planes hitting the World, Tra- the World Trade Center towers. In fact, my mother was a, a, an operator for uh, Verizon. I think it may even have been 9X at the time. I don't remember when they changed their name. Um, and she was... Uh, on station and her uh area code uh, of service was the World Trade Center area code. Uh, I guess it's 212. And um all of a sudden her, her you know her station got flooded with people calling to get information um about uh reaching people in those towers and uh, they you know they would say they're you know they'd be hysterical and they, my mother's telling me this that um you know that a plane hit the tower and they needed to get a hold of somebody. Uh, so a few minutes after uh, that started, she actually called me. I was working at um, the radio station I owned at the time. Well, one of the ones I owned. And she told me what had happened, that a plane hit the tower. And, of course, like everybody else, you hear that and you think, oh, a Cessna clipped, you know, clipped the side of a building. We've seen that before. Um, and it wasn't until that second plane hit and that news spread that everybody realized what was going on. Nearly 3,000 people died that day on the uh, attacks in the World Trade Center, the, uh, the field in Pennsylvania, and, of course, the attack on the Pentagon. Prior to that, other than the Civil War, uh, Pearl Harbor had been the deadliest day from any type of uh, enemy action in U.S. history. And 2,996 people, excuse me, 2,403, 2,403 people died at Pearl Harbor. Um, So this figure of 2,996 deaths plus 6,000 injuries um, exceeded that by a significant margin. It really set a tone that uh, we still are experiencing today. It changed everything that day. I remember what I was doing. I remember as soon as that second plane hit, the radio station I was at, we turned on a television and then we just sat and watched in disbelief as the events unfolded throughout the day. But one of the results, if you can look at things in, a, in some kind of a positive light of that day, was that uh, afterward, uh, the country came together. I mean, we know today how divided we are. And we weren't quite as divided prior to two thousand um, September eleventh, two 2001, but we were a divided nation at that point. There was a lot of political turmoil and civil turmoil. And that event made us come together as a nation. And then we worked together as a nation to try to um, make sure this never happened again. It only took a few years after that event uh, that uh, we started to fracture again. I guess that's the nature of a democracy. Um, But in addition to that, some theories started to surface about these attacks and whether or not we were being told the truth. And many, many people still believe we are not being told the truth. One of the people that disputes some of those ideas is a gentleman by the name of Eddie Current. And Eddie is going to be our guest tonight. Um, and, and one of the interesting things about Eddie is that I have a, a personal story about Eddie that I'm going to share later in the program. And it's one of those things that if we were talking about a different topic on this program that we've talked about before this conversation, my, uh, familiarity with Eddie current, um, could actually be part of that discussion and it'll all make sense. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what this is in the second hour of the program. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, we've got a lot of great stuff coming up later in the week. By the way, um, I just got back from Canada. I, I feel like I haven't slept. Loved the folks in Edmonton. What a great group of people. I was at a convention there. And I have to say, um, throughout my entire travels throughout Canada over the last five days, um, I've never met a kinder, um, more um humble group of people in my life. I was really, really impressed. Can, props to you, Canada. You guys are some wonderful people. I uh, had a great time. Partied a little, uh, of course, but that's the Canadian way, right? Uh, tomorrow night, we've got Rich Newman joining the program. He's an author. We're going to be talking about many of his books that uh, focus on ghost hunting, including the Ghost Hunters Field Guide, Ghost Hunting for Beginners, and Ghosts of the Civil War. And then Thursday night, Carissa Hartley will be with us. Chris is a psychic medium. We're going to be talking about what it's like, to be in that line of work and the things that she's done. So a lot of great conversations coming up the rest of this week on Beyond Reality Radio. This is going to be a bit of a controversial topic. I'm sure it's going to create some emotional uh, responses from people. We will take your calls in the second hour of the show if you have questions or comments. We want everyone to remain respectful, of course, and understand that this is just a conversation of ideas. Well, you know, Eddie is going to present his, his... perspective but knowing, no one completely knows the truth and let us um, understand that this is just a discussion and it's when we can't have the discussion and people get so angry about the discussion that uh, you know we cease to um, eliminate the exchange of ideas and therefore we're just intellectually dead and we don't want to do that and we certainly don't do that here on this program. Uh, So Jason's off tonight, obviously, and I will be here looking forward to hanging out with you. Please stop by my Facebook page, just JV Johnson, or you can find me at JVJ Paranormal on Facebook. Give that a like. If you happen to be watching on the YouTube stream, welcome. That is um, just JV Johnson on YouTube. If you want to join us there, there's a great chat room there. There's also a great chat room on the Beyond Reality Radio app. It's all underway, and we're going to bring Eddie Current into the program and begin this conversation in just a few moments after the break. It's Beyond Reality Radio. I'm JV Johnson. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash That's J-O-H-A-W.
1: This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg.
0: In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff,
1: a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want?
0: Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. So somebody uh, asked me to go to Edmonton, Alberta in Canada. I'm not sure if you know where that is. It's north of Calgary. If you drew a straight line down from Edmonton, you'd end up in Montana somewhere. Um, And trying to find a flight. Now, I live in Cooperstown, New York. Trying to find a flight from the closest airport, which is Albany, to Edmonton was like um, I, I, you'd think I was going to uh, the North Pole. It, it was almost impossible. So what I ended up doing, because this song reminds me of that, is I drove almost five ou- uh, almost six hours and uh, to Toronto and got a direct flight from Toronto to Edmonton, which that part was fine. However, um, when I was driving to Toronto, I got involved in a lake effect snowstorm, which made that uh, almost six-hour trip into an eight-hour trip. Flew to Edmonton, had a great time in Edmonton, flew back uh, yesterday, and then had to drive that six-hour trip home. So my voice is a little rough, my eyes are a little bleary, but I'm here and I'm excited to have a uh, a terrific discussion tonight on the program with our next guest. Eddie Current is a YouTube video maker. He also calls himself a 9-11 debunker, but he's so much more. Eddie, welcome to the program. It is an honor to have you on our show tonight.
1: Oh, I was going to say it's an honor to be here.
0: Um, I've, I've kind of hinted at the fact you and I have a bit of a history, and I'm going to go into that in the second hour of the show, because I think it's, if, if, you know, we talk about paranormal things on this program often, and we talk about synchronicities on this program often and i think the two of you, you and i have uh kind of touched the surface of both of those worlds with our personal relationship which we'll get into but tell me a little bit more about you because saying that you're a 9 11 debunker and you're a youtube video maker doesn't even scratch the surface of the things that you've done
1: well it's uh it's one of the things that interests me and uh i think on a day day-to-day basis these days Um You know, when I pick up the computer, I tend to check out what's going on on my YouTube channel and uh, see what people are saying about my videos.
0: But you've also... Yeah, yeah, go ahead.
1: I don't know what else you want to know about me. I do have some other interests, but uh, that's... What I'm here to talk about today.
0: Well, you've been in publishing. You've written some books. You um, are a musician. um, You kind of. And actually, I saw something on your Facebook page today which made me chuckle. uh, Something about redneck engineering. You created a little device that allowed you to use a a pitching machine a little more effectively. I mean, you've got your hands in a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah. I I like to think of myself as a tinker. And uh, I bought a piece of property and I wanted to learn how to catch fly balls. But. I'm all by myself, so I needed to think of a way to feed a, a baseball into a pitching machine from a distance by pulling a string, and uh, it took a little bit of doing, but I, I put together a system that works pretty well.
0: Well, uh, that's, it's showing a lot of ingenuity there. All right, so tonight we're going to be talking about 9-11 conspiracies, and uh, there are a lot of people that take this really, really seriously and passionately, and we certainly respect those people. There are some people that do it a bit fraudulently. We don't re- give them as much respect for sure. But when did this whole uh, idea that you uh, uh, wanted to start looking into this and maybe even dispelling some of these uh, conspiracy ideas, when did that uh, get your attention and when did you start doing that?
1: Uh, I would guess that uh, like most people, you know, we saw the World Trade Center get attacked and the Twin Towers collapsing and um, we just kind of accepted that planes hit the buildings, and there was a huge fire, and the combination of the fire and the structural damage caused them to collapse. But I don't know. I think it was maybe 2007, 2008, uh, and that's around the time when the 9-11 truth movement really started to get going. Uh, I don't know where it was, but I saw something about Building 7, 7 World Trade Center, uh, which some people call the Third Tower, And that also collapsed due to fire. It was 47 stories tall, so not quite half the height of the Twin Towers, but really up there. And uh, I read a web page explaining why uh, this couldn't have happened because of fire, according to um, a mechanical engineer or something of that sort and I, I got very very interested in in uh the physics of perhaps why this this building didn't collapse and for a number of days i don't know maybe a week or two um i started to kind of follow as many people do uh the trail that that took and um you know found myself in discussion forums uh listening to people uh who are very convinced that the whole thing, including the Twin Towers, was some kind of inside job. And uh, I I got very interested, but then I started to notice some intellectual dishonesty that was going on, and uh, it wasn't too long before I started to realize that this wasn't really my cup of tea, Uh, but at the same time, I was learning so much about this building, and finding out the actual engineering explanation of what happened, which is really quite interesting. And uh, I started to fight back a little bit. I I suppose I suffered a little bit of guilt that I was kind of drawn into it and I would say suckered into it in in a way because there is a lot of intellectual dishonesty. And uh, I made uh, one video in 2011 on the 10th anniversary uh, explaining how Building 7 actually did Collapse and I've since updated that video last year, a much better version, and uh, it's currently, I believe, it's my most viewed uh, video in terms of views per week. Um, So uh, that's kind of where I stand, and I've done some other videos uh, also about 9/11 in both a comedy vein and a serious vein.
0: Yeah, that uh, World, Seven World Trade Center uh, video that you did uh, has about 305,000 views. I mean, it's a pretty significant, significantly watched video. Um, and we're going to get into exactly what that is. As you were uh, starting to debunk some of these things and present uh, counter what, arguments to them and actually scientifically based arguments to them, what, were you getting some ire? Were you getting some angry reactions to the, from those folks?
1: yeah definitely um i would say even today the number one comment on on my videos is some form of uh you're you're an a-hole shill you know why don't you just go <laughs> die uh people are not too polite but you know as you said in your introduction there's a, a wide range and some people are very serious about it some people are quite knowledgeable about it but in my experience, I would say about seventy-five percent, uh, maybe ninety are, percent, are people who just kind of repeat what they've heard, and they don't. I, to me, they don't think about it very much, and they don't follow certain things to see where they lead and uh, and things like that. We've
0: got about a minute before we have to jump to break here. Do you find, as a whole, and maybe it's impossible to generalize? that this group of people who present these arguments, and as you said, many of them are just echo chambers for what other people have said. Do you find that they're less interested in the truth than they are in just proving what their particular uh, idea is or their stance on this?
1: Yeah, certainly. Absolutely. I mean, I can't I can't say yes enough. Uh, They, you know, they're cherry pickers. They look for for certain evidence that supports their beliefs, and uh, they just ignore everything else. Now, t- in fairness, they would say the same thing about me, but I've kind of been around the bend, as I said, or around the block, and uh, I've kind of seen, seen things from both sides. So I feel like I have a slightly better perspective on that.
0: And uh, what could the gain possibly be if they're trying to convince folks that uh, their version of events is the accurate one, but there's evidence that disputes that, um, what do they have to gain? Are they looking for YouTube fame? What is it?
1: Uh, I think that, it, to a great extent, it's just uh, investment. The, the amount of time that they've invested and the deeper that they get into it and uh, the more they convince themselves that they're right. For some people, it becomes very difficult to, to turn around and say, you know what, I've been wrong all the time. I, I think it takes a certain kind of strength Fortunately, like I said, I was only into it for a week or two, so it didn't didn't take, it require all that much strength for for me to have but I think you know if you've been doing this for a year or five years or more uh it's really hard to say that you made a mistake and wasted all all this time
0: uh swing by the youtube page get uh click the subscription or the subscribe link on that page. We're working hard to build those numbers. It's just YouTube.com slash C slash J V Johnson. A lot of great stuff there, including um versions of this program that include some video and stuff. So you'll enjoy that. Tonight our guest is Eddie Current. He is a YouTube video maker and also a nine eleven debunker. He is joining the program, and we're talking about um, particularly the World Trade Center buildings. And there are some people who uh, argue that those buildings were not uh, destroyed as the result of two planes piloted by terrorists uh, crashing into them, but instead they were uh, precise and uh, deliberate demolitions. And, um, Eddie, once again, thanks for being here. Um, Let's go through some of the more uh, notorious conspiracy theories about uh, what happened on that day in September of 2001.
1: Uh well, uh, it usually starts with Israel. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you want to say notorious, usually has something to do with Israel orchestrating the attack and uh Larry Silverstein who was the leaseholder of the uh I believe he was the leaseholder of the Twin Towers and owner of the of building 7. I may have that wrong, but um they often implicate him in in uh, being a part of this and making a lot of insurance money out of it. So you know, it touches on your your usual anti-Semitic tropes. Um, those are also the, that the New York Fire Department was in on it because there's an awful lot of. Uh, I witnessed testimony from firefighters that kind of uh, does not support the demolition theory. So, it, it, some of the really more notorious claims are that the NYTD sacrificed their own. I, I mean, I'm sorry, the FDNY sacrificed their own in uh, allowing 130 some of them to die in this disaster.
0: You know, it's um, it's really really difficult to think that anybody could be uh so i guess evil is the word uh to allow 3000 people nearly 3000 people to meet such a horrible fate for insurance money i mean i know there are bad people in the world but even that alone um is a very very difficult pill to swallow
1: yeah i would agree with you um
0: these theories that started to surface that uh, the official account of events was not the uh, accurate account of events, when did they start to surface?
1: I think there was a book in 2003, or maybe it was 2002, uh, written by a French author, and it was in French, and uh, I think maybe it was translated, um, I'm not really sure how uh English-speaking people got a hold of it. But um, really, you could argue that it started uh, on September 11th because, you know, there are a few audio clips of, for example, Dan Rather. When Seven World Trade Center collapsed, they showed, and this is 5.20 in the evening, they showed video of it, and Dan Rather said, you know, it looks exactly like those buildings that, that are intentionally imploded by, uh, demolished by implosion. And uh, I think that kind of grabbed some people. And, you know, you hear them repeat the Dan Rather quote even today, although, uh, you know, he was just describing what something looked like. And quite frankly, a lot of these theories are based on what the things very superficially look like. And uh, people kind of take that idea and go and run and try to confirm that what they think that they saw is actually what they saw.
0: You call a lot of these folks conspiracy believers instead of what I guess the common term would be is conspiracy theorists. Why do you do that? Yeah. Why why do you do it that way?
1: Uh, Because they never have a theory (laughs) for one thing. Uh, You know, you could say that the moon landing hoaxers are conspiracy theorists because, you know, they talk about Stanley Kubrick And certainly, if you go back to JFK uh, and the grassy knoll, you know, there are actual conspiracy theories of what actually happened to JFK, which is not the single shooter theory. But when it comes to 9-11, you know, they kind of vaguely say that it was demolition, but, but they can't explain so many things, like how... Three busy working office buildings were rigged for demolition, which, you know, takes weeks or months. And these would be even uh, seven Trade World Trade Center alone, which is 47 stories tall, would be 50 percent bigger than the tallest building ever demolished, which is 30 stories. Uh, and then you're talking about the Twin Towers at 110 stories. And the amount of work that it would take to wire up the thing, and then it didn't make any noise. I mean, you know, if you watch the video of any demolition in the world, it's bang, 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 just as the thing is is falling. Uh, And there was no such thing in the World Trade Center. So uh, I don't know what
0: how i started this but. Yeah, well it, these folks who who claim that this was a, a a work of demolition and that charges were planted throughout the building in some fashion to make them fall all three of these buildings that we're talking about who do they claim did it what, Who who was who was who planted these charges and 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 i know we talked about a few uh, ideas but was this the federal government putting these charges in these buildings
1: variously it could be the federal government um it could be a shadow government of some co- kind or a new world order kind of organization that's just shadowy and we don't really know much about therefore you know they're highly suspicious aren't they uh or you know the most common thing is i don't know i don't know who did it but i do know that the official story is wrong see so uh that's what you call just asking questions or J-A-Q-ing off. You know, um, you don't pronounce it that way, but um, they're just asking questions. Uh, you know, I don't know who did it. I'm just asking questions. It's it's a very slippery way to get out of the fact that you actually don't have a theory. You're just, it, because it's so much easier to, to bring up inconsistencies in a theory that already exists than it is to come up with a coherent theory of your own where all of the pieces fit together. And so far, nobody, absolutely nobody has done that.
0: Uh, Eddie, you've uh, talked about and actually made a video about Occam's Razor. Tell us what that principle is and how it applies uh, to what we're talking about tonight.
1: Yeah, uh, it's often described, for example, in the movie Contact, uh, the popular way to to describe Occam's razor is that the simplest explanation is most likely the right one but that's it's misleading because you know the idea of what's simpler is uh, very subjective so if you want to look at it slightly more rigorously it's it's the explanation with the fewest independent conditions and coordinated uh, complications that go into an explanation uh, the one with the fewest number of those is most likely correct. So for example, if we're having a big thunderstorm, I know there was uh, some crackling on there, I don't know if there still is. Um, no, it sounds, good. Is,
0: it sounds okay like now. Thunderstorm. Yeah, it sounds okay now, Eddie.
1: Okay, good. Um what was I just saying?
0: We we're going to we we're going to apply Occam's razor to uh oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, Uh so for example in the, in uh the collapse of the World Trade Center, we have fire. We have structural damage. Those are two things that were directly observed. And the prevailing theory is that the fire and the structural damage combined to cause the collapses. Now, if you want to attach other conditions that the buildings were rigged for demolition and that there were all of these people who kept quiet about it before and during and after, and there was some kind of also some kind of technology to keep the, the explosions quiet or there was some use of some exotic accelerant involved so that the explosives didn't have to be quite so loud well each of those things is an independent condition that's necessary in order for the thing to have been demolished and that's on top of the fire and the damage that's already observed so th- that theory is much more complicated has many more independent conditions And that doesn't mean that it's not correct, but in order to consider it and give it uh, any due consideration, all of those extra complications have to have evidence backing them up, and the evidence has to be commensurate with their strength. So if it's an extraordinary claim that a 110-story office building was secretly rigged for demolition, well, you need extraordinary evidence to back up that claim plus all of the other claims. And then maybe we could consider that uh, it's possibly correct. So, you know, in my mind, Occam's razor says that it's vanishingly unlikely that the buildings were rigged up for demolition.
0: And just so folks know, maybe they haven't heard of this concept before. Occam's razor. This is something that's been around for a long time. This isn't a new that's idea. Right. Yeah, this is, and it's just, it's just, it's something that's applied to uh, situations like that to try to come up with what would be the most likely answer. And, and again, it's the one that has the least number of conditions that would require. Uh, I don't know. Get, explain that part again for me, Eddie. Uh, you still there?
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. I am. Uh, It's the the fewest number of independent, coordinated things that are necessary in order for the explanation to be true. So, for example, I have a video uh, uh, on my YouTube channel about coming home and finding that your cat's bowl has been moved. Uh, One explanation is the cat was just licking the bowl. It was empty, and the cat was licking the bowl, and it got moved across the room or you could come up with a competing explanation that somebody broke into the house and moved the ball. Well, that's a rather extraordinary claim. So do you have evidence that somebody broke into the house? No, then it's probably more likely that the cat just licked the ball across the room because uh it would be a necessary complication of your theory that somebody broke into the house if you think that somebody moved the ball. And you look for evidence for that and if there is no evidence, you ha- kind of have to favor the simpler explanation, which is the cat just licked the ball across the room.
0: Um, Eddie, uh, we've got about uh, five minutes here in this segment, and I want to talk about the idea that is is uh, used in many of these conspiracy discussions, that a steel building, as uh, the World Trade Center buildings were, can't collapse from a simple fire, whether it's created by jet fuel or not. Um, and clearly those buildings coming down couldn't have been a result of the planes flying into them. Let's talk about that idea for a sec.
1: Okay. Well, it's uh, actually kind of simple. Um, there are many, many buildings made of steel that have collapsed in fires before, uh, low rises, medium rises. Uh, the thing that was unique about nine eleven is that Seven World Trade Center in particular, which was not struck by a plane, was the first building over 20 stories to collapse due to a fire. And uh, the National uh, Institute of uh, Standards and Technology that investigated uh, the the collapses of all three buildings made a statement that it was the first time that a a tall steel building, which is a building over 20 stories, had collapsed due to fire, and they think it was primarily due to fire. Uh, and uh, I think that the conspiracy believers kind of took that and said, well, something that never happened before can't possibly happen. You know, this is one of those intellectual dishonest, uh, intellectually dishonest things that they do. Uh, they kind of use this fallacy that if something hasn't happened before, it can't possibly Happen. Well, it has happened before. There have been lots of steel buildings that have collapsed due to fire. It's just that this was the tallest. You know, it set a record. And so it was just a record for the steel building collapsing due to fire. And in fact, since 9 11, there have been two buildings over 20 stories, uh, steel buildings that have collapsed due to fire alone. So they can't say that anymore.
0: When we saw those buildings come down, um, I believe, and, and my memory should be a little bit better, but it was the second building hit that went down first, right? That's correct. Yes, yeah, the South Tower. So what, what 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 was the combination of things occurring in those buildings, the the World Trade Center towers, that uh, made them ultimately collapse? Well, uh,
1: if you look at the videos, you'll see that they were hit at. Different levels. The North Tower was hit, I think, around the uh, 90th floor, 86. I'm sorry, I'm I'm not as well versed on the Twin Towers as I am on Seven, because that's where my obsession lies. But uh, uh, the South Tower was hit lower. I think it was around the 80th floor. So there was a there was more mass above it, um, bearing down on the section that was both damaged and where all the fire was happening. So the engineers believe that it was the greater mass that caused the South Tower to come down much faster than the North Tower, which burned for, I think it was over an hour. But the South Tower is much less than that.
0: We're talking with Eddie Current. We're having a conversation about the World Trade Center Towers and Seven World Trade Center and their collapse as a result of the 9-11 a terrorist attacks. Um, we're going to continue that conversation in just a few moments after the top of the hour break. And I also mentioned that uh, Eddie and I have a bit of a history that is kind of unique, and uh, I'm going to talk about that as well when we come back from the break. And we will take your phone calls at 844-687-7669. I know this is a rather... Uh, emotional uh, topic for some people so let's keep it respectful but we'd love to hear your side of the story um remember we've got some great shows coming up later in the week tomorrow night rich newman is who is an author will be joining us to talk about his books he's got many of them as they relate to ghost hunting including ghost hunters field guide ghost hunting for beginners and ghosts of the civil war always a great topic and then thursday carissa hartley will be here she is a psychic medium, and we'll be talking about what it's like to be in that line of work and have those sensitivities. And uh, I'm not sure if we're taking calls or uh, for readings uh, during that program or not, but a Slick, will, slick uh, will tell us later. So once again, the number is 844 We will be taking your calls uh, as we continue this discussion. It's Beyond Reality Radio. I'm JV. We've got a lot more of this program to go, so don't go away. Looking for our guest's book? Go to amazon. dot com slash shop slash jvj taps. It's beyond reality radio. I'm Jv Johnson. Thanks for being with me here tonight. Thank you to all the radio stations carrying this program around the country. It is because of them that we can actually be here. Also, thank you to everybody who listens to this as a download after the fact. I know uh, people pull it down as a podcast um, after we edit it and put it up the next day. Um, Some people go to YouTube and watch it as well on my YouTube channel. Um, That's uh, a fun way to do it in addition to watching it live there because there's a live video feed as well. Um, But anyway, we have a a great show underway tonight. We're talking with Eddie Current. We're taking your phone calls about uh, the World Trade Center buildings and their collapse after the 9-11 terrorist attacks. The phone number is 844-687-7669. Now, Eddie and I have a bit of uh, an interesting history. Um, I hinted at this earlier in the program, and I said I would talk about it as we entered the second hour of the show. And I want to do that now. And Eddie, you and I um, grew up basically in the same town. Um, we went to school together. Uh, we went to a private school that was run by the local uh, SUNY, which was State University of New York College. It was considered a teaching college. Um, and the school was called Bugby School, and it was a school that was run by the university, and it was there was a lot of experimental uh, education methods being um, used in that school. And we both went there, and you and I were, I would say, Pretty much inseparable through those years at Bugby, uh, through fourth, best oh, friend <laughs> through fourth grade. We were together all of the time, and we talked about a lot of these things back then as well. And then, uh, Bugby school ended up closing down after fourth grade, and you and I lived in different parts of the community, so we ended up going to different public schools, and we basically over time lost touch. Then, um, fast forward, how many years? Oh, gosh, it had to be uh, 25 years later, maybe.
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, least 20. It was in the
0: 90s, I know. Yeah, it was probably 93 or 94, maybe 95, somewhere in there. Um, I happened to be reading a copy of Bass Player Magazine because, as most folks who listen to this program know, I'm a musician. I play bass, and I um, had I was in the magazine business at that time. I had left radio for a while. I started a company that was representing publishers to be their ad sales force, and I'm looking at Bass Player Magazine, and as somebody who sells ads always does, they look at the masthead to see who works at the magazine and who's handling the advertising and i happened to see a name there that i recognized and it's a unique unique spelling of that name and i thought could this be the same guy i went to elementary school with he was my best friend and we just lost touch could it be the same guy so i sent an email to you eddie and sure enough you were the same eddie that i went to elementary school with (laughs) and i thought wow this is pretty amazing we were best friends through fourth grade and then here we are both in the magazine business and not just the magazine business, but we're both bass players, yeah. um, which was kind of cool. And it turns out you were going to be you were living, I think, um, in San Francisco area at the time um, and you were going to be visiting um, the East. And, and we got together and we hung out. And during that hangout, we found out not only uh, were we both musicians, bass players, enjoyed uh, reading bass players uh, ma- or bass player magazine and you wrote for it um, and edited it. Uh, but we loved the Beatles, and we loved Jesus Christ Superstar was our favorite uh, uh, show. Uh, we all these things started ticking off that uh, we had in common, and then fast forward another. Let's see, we had to be what we're looking at another twenty years, uh, maybe twenty five. <laughs> <laughs> right. And now we're on the same radio show talking about the same topic. I, it's it's pretty cool. We talk about these type of synergies uh, and, and, and on this program in different forms. And I just find it to be a fascinating story, Eddie, that uh, our lives seem to intersect and have so many parallels uh, throughout the course of the of the time that uh, you and I um, lost touch with each other in fourth grade.
1: Yeah, you know, there was just the CNN movie, uh, Three Identical Strangers, about triplets that were separated at birth, and then they met each other when they were 19. They found each other at a college. Um, It was a big news story, and, you know, they had all these similarities. Well, you and I are like that, except it's, (laughs) it's nurture instead of nature. It seems like, you know, those years that we had together growing up, we ended up converging later on, Uh, Not because of genetics, but uh, who knows? It's a very strange thing.
0: It's fascinating, it's it's exciting, and it's fun. And I will mention this as well, because I know that um, frequently in the chat room, um, I talk about Beatles music, and and we have a lot of music lovers that uh, enjoy the bumper music we choose on the program. You've done a whole bunch of videos um, that are really fantastic. You present uh, kind of a breakdown of some of the Beatles music and other things. Tell us, just give us a few seconds about uh, what those things are about.
1: Yeah, um, for some reason, uh, ever since I started being a musician, I've enjoyed redoing songs that already exist (laughs) and and (laughs) trying to make it sound exactly like the original. It's completely pointless, but it turns out today, you know, there's this whole tribute band thing, and I was in a Cars tribute band for five years. I noticed you played a Cars song there. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And... uh, I, when I got a YouTube channel, I decided to try doing these things on video. So what I do is I have, I videotape each performance, and then I make a video at the end of the various performances in different boxes. And they're oftentimes from kind of the mu- musician's perspective. So they're semi-instructional. You can see what was going on on the fingerboard, what I was doing with the drums, and, uh, So, yeah, I've done a few Beatles things. I'm currently doing an entire Pink Floyd album, which I'm getting close to finishing. So uh, it's a lot of work. It's completely pointless, but uh, it's super fun, and I love it.
0: (laughs) Now, um, we've been talking about a lot of different videos here. We've talked about those music videos. We're talking about these World Trade Center videos that uh, debunk many of the conspiracy claims. Uh, We haven't given the YouTube channel out. So what is the YouTube channel if people want to check it out?
1: Uh, my YouTube, uh, name is Edward Current. I think that would be, uh, youtube.com slash user slash Edward Current. I think that's how it works. Or you can just type Edward Current in and you'll find my channel there. But yeah, a whole bunch of different comedy videos, some politics. Um, I did a whole thing about creationism or you know, a series of satires, almost a hundred videos on that. And, uh, that was before I got into the 9/11 thing. The 9/11 thing kind of took my attention away from the creationism thing. But uh, there's some interesting crossover there in terms of uh, how people believe what they want to believe.
0: Now, to be um, in the spirit of full disclosure here, disclosure here, you're not a physicist. You're you know you you explore a lot of these ideas from a scientific perspective, but you're not. You wouldn't consider yourself a, a, a physicist, correct?
1: Absolutely. No, I I never claim to have any expertise. The thing that I'm doing is just reporting what the peer-reviewed engineering says. So, uh, you know, I'm more of a reporter in that way and a video maker. I don't do any original research. I don't pull things out of my behind um, and, you know, try to back them up. There are a couple ideas that may be, you know, a little bit original, but, you know, I always say this is my idea, you know, even if I'm speculating something. Um, But, you know, the explanations for how those buildings collapsed is a matter of public record, and it's peer-reviewed engineering. And I'm basically just, you know, explaining what the experts have already explained to other experts
0: let's talk about seven world trade center because that's the one that got you interested in in this and that's the one you've spent a great deal of time exploring um what has people so bothered by this particular building collapse
1: well the the thing that you hear most often is that it wasn't hit by a plane you know uh... the two um, airliners hit the north tower and the south tower they both collapsed And then the North Tower was, I think, 120 yards away from this other 47-story building, uh, Seven World Trade Center. And it got pelted with a bunch of debris, and some of it was burning, and it lit a bunch of fires in Seven World Trade Center. Well, it also destroyed the water main that was feeding the sprinkler system on the lower floors. And uh, the firemen had already lost a bunch of their guys. They were looking for survivors And uh, they just decided not to fight the fire in Seven World Trade Center. And they just didn't have the resources. And it was already heavily damaged. The south face of it had a big scoop taken out of it. The southwest corner was kind of carved out for about 10 floors. And they just let it burn. And they predicted that it was going to collapse. This was not a secret. They cleared the perimeter. And they just stood back, and they waited for it to collapse. And at 5.20 in the evening, it came down. And, it, it, and the way it came down, it came almost straight down. Uh, you could only see the top half of it because of the building obstruction. So you didn't see kind of ha- the ending of when it collapsed, when it kind of just fell apart. But you just saw the top of this building come kind of straight down, and it looked like the end of the movie Casino. So I think that lit a lot of people's imaginations. Like that has got to be a demolition, and I do not believe that it was anything but a demolition. And they kind of go from there.
0: And as you said, Dan Rather even made the comment, and it was as it was happening, um, and the world was watching it. Um, but you've done one of your videos actually actually goes into a lot of detail of as to how it could happen, look like it looked, uh, which. Some people interpret it as a demolition, but actually wasn't. And can you explain some of the science behind that?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, since the '60s, any tall steel building, and when I say steel, I mean that the main vertical supports are steel only. There's no concrete reinforcing. There may be concrete floor slabs, but in a steel building, all of the weight is borne up by by steel members, and and this and it's a very popular way to. Be, be, build buildings it's quick and it's uh it's fairly inexpensive and in the 60s they started getting away from these kind of rigid box like structures where the beams are all evenly spaced and they started to spread out the 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 vertical columns to the exterior and move a bunch of the columns to the interiors so that you'd have all of this open floor space and the twin towers are a perfect example of this It's a very strong perimeter system, and there's a core system, and then the floors are completely open. And it turns out that that was kind of a liability in the case of the Twin Towers um, because, well, I won't get into the the explanation of that, but in the case of Seven World Trade Center, it's called uh, a moment frame. It's a moment-resisting frame. That's the exoskeleton of the building. And uh, the columns and the beams that form the exoskeleton are very rigidly tied together to resist uh, lateral forces such as wind. And when the thing came down, that frame was so strong that it actually held together in one piece. And so it looks a lot like these old videos of concrete buildings coming straight down where it just holds together and it doesn't fall apart like you might expect a fire-induced collapse to do. It just comes kind of straight down, and I think it kind of tricks the eye a little bit. Um, It looks, I mean, it is an extraordinary sight to see a building do this, uh, if it was, in fact, fire. Uh, But, you know, we think it was just fire.
0: And and, uh, so what you're saying here is the interior began collapsing first. The interior fell apart, and then the uh, exterior came down as it
1: did. That is how the engineering explanation goes, and there is some visual evidence that supports that. Uh, You can see that the roof, some of the roof structures caving in about eight seconds before the roof line starts to come down, and you can see some daylight through the windows. And uh, pretty much every expert who's looked at this uh, concludes that the core came down first. Even there, even some demolition. type supporters who believe that the core was taken out first before the exoskeleton came down. But, uh, but yes, uh, by the end, it was just the exoskeleton collapsing, and it, it came down very fast. Eddie, we've got
0: just a couple minutes here in this particular segment, but you created a video to kind of prove a point that uh, it doesn't take much to get people to believe uh, what would be considered some nonsense. Tell us what you did.
1: Yeah, that was uh, in 2011, uh, right around the 10th anniversary of 9-11. I wondered what it would be like to create a fake video of Seven World Trade Center collapsing as if it were shot from the other side, the side that you never see. See, there's about uh, 10 or so videos of, of the thing collapsing, but they're all from the north or the northeast or the northwest, because the south side you know, was destroyed. It was the World Trade Center destruction. There were no cameras on that side. So um, I thought, Well can we put together a video that looks like maybe it was shot from the south side that shows the explosions actually going off and the thing coming down? And then I thought, Let's make it a little bit more ridiculous just to see, you know, who catches on to things. So I sped up the thing. I made it fall way too fast. I added a a flying saucer actually taking (laughs) off from the sky. And then I just kind of put it online and I sat back and uh, there was about 12 hours of frenzy of people thinking that they'd found the smoking gun until... Some cooler heads prevailed and said, nah, this is a hoax, guys. And they were right. It was a hoax.
0: You uh, you put a flying saucer in there, which is really subtle, and you have to really look for it. And you also put a coded message, didn't you?
1: Yeah, it didn't really come out because of YouTube's uh, codec, yeah. uh, their compression. You couldn't really see it. But, yeah, if you zoomed and enhanced... On the right side of one frame, I think it said, uh, it's a hoax nut job. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and people were talking about it, and and you include some of those clips in your video about how people uh, were believing it and got excited. It's Beyond Reality Radio. I'm JV, our guest tonight, Eddie Kern. We were talking about a hoax video, Eddie, that you put up um, about the world, uh, Seven World Trade Center collapse. And in the video, you put um, what looks to be like little detonations, little explosions. Um, and one of the things that I found funny when I watched the video and, and you talking about it was that the um, the program you used to create those effects, uh, which is an Adobe program, um, the instructional video, I think, had something to do with one of the people that was actually saying that this video was legitimate, right? Wasn't there some connection there?
1: Um. Uh... I'm not sure. I follow you.
0: You had, You were talking about one of the people who uh, you showed a clip of commenting on your hoax video, saying it was a legitimate video, was actually somebody that you, and I'm trying to remember it correctly, but didn't you watch a video of his showing you how to use After Effects, Adobe After Effects? No, I
1: don't think so. Oh, there was some um, connection. I, maybe I, maybe... I know that one of the three, the guy says classic demolition science, and he's talking about the sequence of flashes. Is that what you're thinking
0: of? I'm not sure. I just know there was a connection to one of the people uh, who was saying the video was legitimate. It was actually somebody who should have had enough information to say it wasn't. Uh, and, and you had pointed to one of his other videos. Again, I'm not. Maybe it was just that he he was an After Effects guy and uh, he should have been able to recognize what you had done.
1: Yeah, I, th- yeah, I think I, I know what you're talking about, but I, I don't remember. <laughs> okay. Um, so, I haven't watched that one in a long
0: time. Yeah. Um, what is it uh, about people that just continue to ignore the science of this? I mean, when you break this down into basic physics, uh, it starts to make sense the way it should, um, but the folks that want to argue the other side will just stop before they cross that line.
1: They have their own science. Um, there's a friend of mine, a former colleague who, you know, I worked at Bass Player and he worked a Guitar Player. Very intelligent guy. Very, very sharp. But I found out that he's uh, a demolition believer, and especially in, uh, with regard to Seven World Trade Center. I don't know how I found this out, but... <laughs> um, and uh, he says that the, that the physics is on his side, and I think he's one of the things he said is, I don't make up the laws of nature, I just enforce them. So uh, one of the things that they claim is that it's physically impossible for the building to have experienced a free-fall acceleration as it did through a, a distance of about 90 feet um, without all of the columns being taken out from underneath artificially they had to have been blasted away these people claim in order for the building to have this free fall acceleration for a period of two and a quarter seconds but uh it's just not true you don't you don't need anything blasted away it it's just how it happened what uh, does this work
0: continue for you or are you continuing to investigate this stuff
1: yeah in fact um I would like, it it seems a little crazy, you know, because I am kind of obsessed, and it's such a a small number of people who talk about this online, you know, in the grand scheme of things, when you compare it to something like politics, um, or even flat earth, which is very popular for some reason. It's a very small subset, but you know, it's something that I do know about, and I was thinking of, of doing a video explaining this free fall business. I mean, it's, there's quite a bit of science to how something can actually experience free fall, even though there is a bit of resistance underneath it. And I've done some experiments. Um, I'd like to get into uh, some simulation programs where I can actually build, you know, a a 47-story box and see how it would behave under certain conditions. So, yeah, I would definitely say that the work is continuing.
0: Um, we were talking about Occam's razor earlier in our discussion, and uh, again, to simplify the definition of that is that the simplest uh, explanation is usually the correct explanation. And you uh, actually, uh, I believe in, in your video, you kind of tick through many of the things that uh, would have, have to have to have happened, including, you know, a bunch of people that would have had to plant explosives, and those people would have had to keep their mouth shut for all this time. Um, all those time yeah and you go through all those things and as i was reading through that and watching that video i couldn't help make the same connections to some of the jfk conspiracies have you have you done that exercise
1: you know i don't know all that much about the jfk thing it was um but, you know it was before the internet it was almost before television uh people couldn't communicate and share information the way they did. They would have to buy a book at the bookstore or the library, you know, if they wanted an alternate version of the account of what happened that day. Um,
0: well, I looked at, I, I watched the, you know, you're your kind of a bullet list. And, and again, the thing that stuck out to me, and this was, was when been always been one of my biggest difficulties with accepting some of these JFK explanations is that so many people would have had to be have been involved at some point, somebody, it seems for the money or something would have stepped forward and said, yeah, I was there. This is actually what happened.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are so many things that could have happened. Uh, Anybody who wanted to blow the whistle is guaranteed a 10 million dollar book deal. Yeah, Um, they could have been coerced. They could have told a, a girlfriend while they were drunk, you know, to brag to somebody. Or uh, they could be blackmailed. These days they could be hacked. You know, the Russians could have compromise. Uh, you know, there's so many things that could get people to talk, and yet nobody's talked. And you got to kind of wonder why, why that is. Although, I must say, somebody on a comment on one of my videos had a, a very interesting idea, which was, maybe they just had a meeting of all of the conspirators on the 97th floor of the world trade center on <laughs> september 11th and that did away with everybody who uh who was involved i'm sorry that's uh that's kind of a tasteless
0: it's a little tasteless but boy it sure it sure uh does lend itself to those conspiracy theorists or yeah. believers um so um as you look at this i mean are there other conspiracies that are starting to attract your attention? You said you've got kind of an obsession with this particular one at the moment. But are other things kind of uh, entering your radar that you might tackle as well and take a look at?
1: Well, you know, I, I'm, of course, interested in the climate change thing um, and uh, and also the, the anti-vaccination thing. Quite frankly, those are more complex than than 9/11, and then the physics of 9/11. Uh, I think that's a, a very clean and easy to understand thing about what was happening to these buildings. When you start getting into climate studies and vaccination studies, I mean, I I, I will completely uh, agree that you know the scientific consensus is on the one side in both of those cases but quite frankly it's a little complex and it's sticky and i don't know if i would want to to get into debating those things because it doesn't have the the very clean almost mathematical physics that that the the building collapses have
0: now of course um the answer to the part of this question will be your videos um but the question is if somebody is new to this idea and they want to see both sides of this discussion um, your side presents the scientific perspective that supports basically the uh, the um, what we would consider the official uh, count of events. Do you have a recommendation for something that might be presented in at least a, uh, a decent enough format that it's worth watching that presents the other argument?
1: Yeah, there was a uh, BBC documentary, I think it was called um, The Third Tower. You could look for that on YouTube and it's an hour long and um it's quite well balanced, you know, it, it 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 certainly doesn't start off by saying these some of these beliefs are ridiculous, but um it has some very good interviews, for example, an interviews that Daniel Nigro who is the the FDNY fire chief on 911 and he explains why it couldn't be a conspiracy, he would have to be in on it and they talk to some demolition professionals and uh they talked to a BBC reporter who unfortunately announced that World Trade Center seven had fallen before it actually had fallen, which is, you know, one of those red flags that people often raise, like, how did the BBC know that the building was gonna collapse? Well, as I said earlier in this program, the 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 uh fire department knew that it was coming down and they cleared a perimeter. So somehow the word got out that the building was going to collapse and then Reuters picked up for some reason the idea that it had collapsed and the BBC picked up the Reuters thing and then the uh, it's just one of those mistakes that was made on an extremely chaotic day I, I might point out that cnn announced that the washington mall was on fire that day and you know <laughs> right. that never happened so right. these things you know, there's crazy misinformation that happens, but it's not evidence of anything.
0: Um, I'm assuming, based on the things we've talked about tonight, and we haven't kind of veered into these other any of these other discussions. But there are a lot of people that also believe that, yeah, okay, so the buildings came down as a result of those two planes, however, and and the and the fires that that ensued as a result. However, uh, there's still a government conspiracy. Why? You know, how did these uh, these uh, terrorists? Uh, how are they able to accomplish this? It's too complex for 19 guys, uh, you know, that are, that are just running around the country. And, you know, and the CIA is involved and the president's involved. I mean, there's all sorts of theories that uh, don't even uh, take in, uh, into the account the argument we've been talking to, about tonight. Have you addressed or looked into any of those?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, people very often will say, you know, they'll bring up things, like NORAD and stand downs and um, insur- uh, insurance purchases and stock buys, and uh, quite frankly, I'm not interested in all of that human intrigue. You know, the thing that interests me, as somebody who's a science enthusiast and a physics enthusiast, is just the science and the physics of it. And either it came down due to fire and structural damage alone, or something helped it. You know, it's a yes or no question. they both can't be true, so there has to be an answer. And uh, when you complicate it with all this other human intrigue, it just—you know—what is the point? It's—it's it's like you know, if, if if the police find a dead body, they want to know how did the person die, you know. And then if they find out that he was shot, then they might ask, you know, who could have benefited from the guy dying or whatever. But the first thing they want to know is the physical evidence and the mechanisms involved. And that's really what interests me because, you know, if it collapsed due to fire and structural damage, then the other stuff is irrelevant. So, you know, I'd rather talk about the fire and the structural damage.
0: Uh, changing topics a little bit. You wrote a book called The Simplest Case Scenario, How the Universe May Be Very Different from What We Think. I don't know anything about this book but the title itself sounds a lot like something we we would discuss on this program. What's the book about?
1: I think we should have another talk.
0: The, this would be appropriate, wouldn't
1: it? Yeah. I mean, it's way too much to talk about in the remainder of our time, but, uh, it's something I spent a great deal looking into. And, um, that actually is more of a original research kind of thing, but I won a physics award uh, for an essay that the book is based on. So, uh, Yeah, it would be interesting to talk about it. Yeah. All
0: right. We'll we'll have to have you back uh, to talk about that. We've got just a couple minutes left, and I want to bring up one other thing. I was telling the story of how you and I uh, have quite a history. And when you ended up coming out east to visit, and we saw each other for the first time in uh, however many years that was um, over 20, uh, you had just completed uh, uh, filming on the uh, TV show, game show Jeopardy! You were a contestant, right. yeah, you were a contestant, um, yeah. and it hadn't aired yet, but you but it was filmed, so you couldn't tell me the results. Um, tell
1: oh, I'm us- sorry, no, it's okay, <laughs> it's
0: okay. Tell us about the experience, though, that's pretty cool.
1: That was the greatest experience of my life. Uh, I won two games, and I lost one. So I was on three times, and um, I won $42,400, and that was before they doubled the do- dollar amounts. So it was there were actually two really good wins and then one horrible, catastrophic loss. Uh, but uh, fantastic experience. I actually studied for it for a year and a half. And then I came up with a method uh, for how you can actually study for Jeopardy, and I put that online. That was 1996, before anybody was doing that kind of thing. And it kind of took off, and I think most people now who are trying to prepare for Jeopardy would, would know about the little article that I wrote and uh, might even recognize my name
0: did you um is, is was the experience the same as what we see if we're just a casual viewer i mean do we see what's going on or is there more to it
1: yeah basically you see what's going on like people say what was alex like and i tell them The only time I ever talk to Alex is what you see on television. As soon as they go to commercial, he walks away. Uh, At the end of the show, he comes over and talks to the contestant, but as soon as it's done, he walks away, and it's not like we're hanging out and partying with Alex.
0: He doesn't look like he's much of a partier anyway, I have to say. That's right. Pretty serious guy. Um, Okay, so once again, give your YouTube channel, I know you have a Facebook page as well, uh, anything else you want people to be able to check
1: out? Yeah, sure. Um, YouTube, I'm Edward Current. Uh, Edward Current, just spelled like it sounds. And that's actually a play. You know, Eddie Current is a physics term. And uh, that, that's what I came up with as my musician name when I was taking physics in college. Uh, but on, on YouTube, it's Edward Current. And also Twitter, twitter.com slash Edward uh, I, I actually found that Twitter is a much better place to make jokes than youtube because <laughs> you can do it in 10 seconds as opposed to 4 hours.
0: <laughs> All right, well, as we discussed, we're going to have to have you back on. We'll talk about uh, your book um and probably other things as well. So, but thanks for being here tonight, Eddie. It was a great conversation, very very interesting. Sure I appreciate yeah,
1: it. I love talking to you, JV.
0: Edward Current is his YouTube channel. A lot of really neat stuff there. If you like music, particularly, I know uh, many in our chat room do, um, especially Beatles stuff, you'll find that stuff to be very, very interesting. I know I did. Um, Tomorrow night on the program, Rich Newman will be here to talk about his books that include Ghost Hunters Field Guide, Ghost Hunting for Beginners, and Ghosts of the Civil War. Then Thursday night, Carissa Hartley, who is a psychic medium, will be here. I'm not sure if we're taking Calls for readings. Uh, we'd have to get that cleared up with Slick here. But either way, it should be a good program. Don't forget to stop by my Facebook page. Give it a like. Uh, follow what I'm doing. It's JV Johnson on Facebook. Or you can find me at JVJ Paranormal there as well. If you haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel, I would appreciate you doing that as well. YouTube.com slash C slash JV Johnson. A lot of great stuff there. Hope everybody's surviving this. Never-ending cold and winter, um, and if you're in a warmer part of the country, um, I'm jealous. That's going to do it for tonight. It's Beyond Reality Radio again, and join us for tomorrow night, another great show. It's all ahead this week on Beyond Reality Radio.